Uh, let us turn in our Bibles in the book of John, chapter 6, verses uh, 30 through 35, or you can find it also printed in your bulletins. John, chapter 6, verses 30 through 35, as we continue our walk through the book of John. This is the word of God. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was no Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall no hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We come to you, Lord. We come to you because we know, Lord, through your word that only as we come to you that we can be filled with you who are the very reason of our existence. We come to you this afternoon, Lord, as we read these words in humility, recognizing that we cannot understand them unless they are spiritually revealed to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We come to you praying that you will help us, Lord, to see in them this great word of hope and encouragement that you, only you, can offer. Help us, Lord, as we read these verses and study them together, that you may give us understanding of them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What do you need? This is a question that can be Interpreted and understand, and understand, you can understand this question in different ways depending of the context in which you have been asked that question. For example, I can come to you right now, wherever you are seated, and ask you, what do you need? And then you might answer, I need nothing, I'm, I'm doing okay, or I need some water, I need some coffee to go through the sermon. I need something, I need more air conditioning, or I need a jacket because this place is too cold. You might answer this question in different ways. But also, this question can mean something deeper as, what do you need in life? What are some of the most important things that you need to have in order to live? And then you can say, I need water, I need food, I need companionship, 
I need all these different things that we all human beings need. But also it can, be, it can go as deep as to ask the question, what is the most important thing that you need in life? When you say, what do you need? And again, we all can give different answers depending how we have thought about this question. If you are answering this question outside the Bible, just with your own understanding, you, you can give all different answers to the question. But the reality is that if you really want to know what you need, you need to ask that question to the one who created you. Because, again, you might find some good answers as, yes, I need food, I need water, I need... Uh, I have emotional needs, which are all correct, but you can miss some things that are important. And in fact, the world will miss them unless they find these answers in the Word of God. For example, we all need God because we were created to worship Him. And unless you understand this from the Word of God, you might try to answer that need using other means. Therefore, we are here in front of the Word of God who has the answer for that question. What do you need? In fact, sometimes human beings confuse that question with another question, which is, what do you want? What do you want and what do you need? For example, I think that my son, as he's learning his language, he confused these two questions. Everything that he wants, he says, I need. He says, I need a fire truck, Papa. He has eight. But he still says that I need a fire truck. He means he wants a fire truck, another one. Maybe a bigger one or a smaller one. But that's not just for little kids. We human beings have the same problem. We want some things, and we think that that's what we need. Now, why I'm, I'm opening the sermon with this is because as you see Jesus talking with different people throughout the book of John, he is actually speaking to them about what they really need, the most important need that they have. But Jesus talked to them using examples of regular life, like he goes to a well in order to talk with a woman, and he talks about water, but he's talking about something deeper, about something that she really needs. Then he uh, multiplies bread and fishes in order to talk about something that they need, but what is common in all the interactions that you see Jesus had with all these people is that they struggle to understand that he's talking about something deeper than what they have in front of them. He's not talking about that water, but a water that will calm your thirst forever. He's not talking about that bread, but a bread that will calm your hunger forever. So this is why what we find in these verses, especially in verse 35 is key for the understanding of what do we need. There are three parts 
uh, if you like to take notes on throughout the sermon in which I have divided these verses. The first one is the blinding effect of the earthly bread. That may not make a lot of sense to you at this moment, but will make in a little bit. The blinding effect of the earthly bread. The second one is the true bread from heaven. And the third part and the last one is the satisfying effect of the bread of life. The satisfying effect of the bread of life. Let us start with the blinding effect of the bread, of the earthly bread. So we know that the context of this test is that a, a great multitude of people were following Jesus. And they were following Jesus because they have seen signs. They have seen things that Jesus has done that nobody else has done. What were those signs? Jesus healed people and nobody else has had that power to heal people in the way that Jesus was healing them. I think that this is very uh, significant, especially at that particular time. Because it's very different that context to our context today. There are answers to many of our illnesses and pains these days that people at that time did not have. It doesn't mean that there is no sickness today, but just think about this. There were no all the equipments and medicines and antibiotics and Tylenols and, and all these different things that come pain as we have today. Of course, they had doctors. Luke was one of them. And they had some forms of medicine. I don't know what kind of medicine they will offer to people. But what was offered to people was really limited. Was really limited. And Jesus comes and he has the power to heal all these many illnesses that were around. Therefore, people were following Jesus. Jesus had the power to answer to one of their physical needs, health, right? Have this multitude gather together and see that they are there together. And Jesus see also that they had another need, which is that they were hungry. And Jesus, in his mercy and grace, provides not for 5,000, but probably for 15,000 people because there were 5,000 men and they have their spouses and children and people around. For a lot of people that were there, he provides food. But Jesus had something greater in mind. He, he set up that moment in order to teach them about something greater that they need. In fact, he was setting up this moment to connect what he was about to teach them with something that God himself had taught his people in the Old Testament. He had a plan to teach them what they need. But as you saw from our last study from this passage, people were excited to see that Jesus was able to perform this uh, sign, and they thought that he was the prophet that was promised in the Old Testament. And what did they want to do? They wanted to make him a king right away. Why? Because he will be able, as the king, to provide for all their physical needs. Because he will be able to defeat the Roman Empire and give them peace. And he was a good doctor healing people. And he was a good provider for all their physical needs. 
What did Jesus do is he withdraw from them because they up to that point have not understood what he was talking about. What was his goal? What was his goal with performing these signs? We saw that through uh, John chapter 20 that all the signs that are throughout the book of John have the purpose of pointing to the glory of Christ, to teach people about Christ as being the Savior and about being the Son of God. People could not understand that until this moment. So Jesus goes and confronts them. Remember, the multitude follow him because they have seen what Jesus has done for them. He fed them. They wanted more of that. They wanted more healing and more food. So they follow him. And when they found Jesus, Jesus said, you only look for me because you were full. You ate and you were full. You ate good food, and you now want more food. But you did not follow me, or you are not following me, because you have seen the signs and to what the signs are pointing, which is that I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. Jesus is confronted, confronting their unbelief. And in fact, Jesus tells them, work for the food that does not perish. Because the food that you received perished. You eat and you get hungry again. Work for that kind of food, Jesus tells them. The crowd said, okay, what should we do? What kind of work should we do? How do we earn this food? What are the works that we need to do in order to gain this food that does not perish? They were thinking right away in works. How do I earn this food? And Jesus says, believe in me. That's what you need to do. If you believe in me, you will receive this food that does not perish. Here is where we come to this verse that we have in front of us. Verse 30. So they said to him, Jesus has told them again, work for this food that does not perish. How do we work for this food? Believe in me. So they say... Then, what sign do you do that we might see and believe you? Think about this. (laughs) So they were following him because he was making signs. Because he was healing people, right? And then he multiplies the bread. He multiplies the fishes. So they could see who he was. So they could believe in him. They could believe in Jesus. And the crowd asking, okay, what signs are you going to give us so we can see with our eyes? And as we see with our eyes what you do, we could believe. What work do you perform? I I am not trying to invite you to be Jesus, but think about what could have been going through Jesus' mind. And for sure, it is not the same because He has a greater mind than all of us, right? But we will be pretty upset. Didn't you see what happened? Actually, why did you come here? You came here because you saw the sign, right? But what is going on in the minds of these people is revealed by what they said to Jesus in verse 31. 
Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. This is referring to the time when God took Israel out of Egypt through the desert to the promised land, and he provided for them manna to eat. It's actually interesting that they are pointing out to this sign because that's what basically Jesus just did. He provided bread for them so they could eat. But why are they they asking that question? They are asking that question because they were hungry again. They were hungry again. It is because when God took Israel throughout the desert, he provided bread for them 40 years. Day after day, day after day, he provided bread for them 40 years until they got to the promised land. When they were expecting that Messiah, they were expecting somebody who would be their provider. So, in other words, what they were saying to Jesus, Jesus, it was great that you gave us that bread and that fish. We are hungry again. Are you going to do the same to prove to us that you are the one we think that you might be, the prophet, the one that we think that you might be, the Messiah, the one that is coming. In order to do that, you need to feed us today, tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, and the day after tomorrow, and keep feeding us for the rest of our life. Remember the subtitle of this point is The Blinding Effect of the earthly bread. What was the earthly bread? The earthly bread was the manna. It's a heavenly bread because it's coming from heaven, but it's a bread that sustained the physical existence of human beings. But it's also the earthly bread that Jesus broke and distributed to the people that was sustaining and calming the hunger of the crowd that was in front of Jesus. That was the bread they wanted. They wanted to calm their hunger because they did not realize that they had something, that they hungered for something greater than that bread, that there was something more important than that. It is a blinding effect because it doesn't allow them to see that they have in front of them Jesus, the Son of God. Remember when the Samaritan woman have that conversation with Jesus. Jesus said, only if you knew who was in front of you. You will ask him and he will give you water. But all she could see was the bucket, the well, and Jesus. And the work that she have to do day after day to get the water out of the well. If Jesus had a solution for that, that would be good enough for her. But she could not see that there was something deeper that she needed. And that's what Jesus was offering to her. There is a blinding effect of the earthly bread is because most of the human beings try to fulfill that emptiness that is in the heart of man through physical means. Success. Profession, materialism, money, food, sex, all these kind of things that are here in the world. 
Are they bad? Is bad to be successful? Is bad to have a profession? Is bad to make some money and even help others? All this, in essence, is no bad. But it can be blinding because you think that you are going to feel that emptiness in your heart through them. And it has been proven. All of us have tasted that we get what we want and we're still empty. Why? Because what our heart is asking is not for that kind of bread. It's asking for something deeper. That's what I was telling you. You need the word of God to teach you about that thing that you need. Second, the true bread from heaven. Then Jesus said to them, he has to correct even their interpretation of what they thought they knew. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was no Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father. Think about this. For them, what they are talking to Jesus about is our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They were thinking that Moses was the one who provided for them. That Moses was the leader who provided for them. And therefore Jesus, if he is the prophet that they were expecting, the one who is replacing Moses, he could provide for them. But Jesus needed to clarify to them because God does not share his glory with anybody. That it was not Moses, that Moses was only a messenger. Moses was only a servant of God, serving God by serving God's people. Do we struggle with things like that today? I think so as well. You can put your eyes and set your eyes on leaders, pastors, people who will serve God by serving you rather than setting your eyes in God. And it is tempting for pastors and leaders and religious leaders to ask people to set their eyes in them as well. Rather than doing what Jesus did here, remember, it wasn't Moses, it was God. But also, Jesus needed to teach them what was that miracle about? That it was more than just filling their stomachs with manna. It says, it was no Moses who gave the bread from heaven, but my Father give you the true bread from heaven. Gave past tense. My Father give you present tense. The true bread from heaven. And there are two breads here. The bread from heaven and the true bread from heaven. Both are true breads from heaven in a sense. Because you can say that the manna was a true bread that came from heaven and it was provided by God to God's people. But when Jesus is saying the true bread from heaven, what he's saying is that that manna meant something greater than just filling your stomach. That manna was a type of Jesus who is coming to fill the hunger of your soul. That God provided the manna in the desert in order to teach his people 
that he will send the Messiah who will come the hunger of the hearts of people. And he make it even more clear when he says, the bread of God is no eat or something, is he, and it's not he who is giving, but he who comes. Jesus, who comes by his own will, down from heaven, to give life, not to Israel only, the nation, but to give life to the world. In other words, what Jesus is saying, he's looking back at the Old Testament and he's interpreting the Old Testament to this crowd that he had in front of him. He's saying that manna, as Moses is a type of Christ, taking out the Israelites out of the slavery from Egypt, pointing to Christ, taking people out of the slavery of sin, the manna is a type of Christ showing that he is the one who can calm the hunger of people. Jesus is the true bread from heaven. It wasn't the manna, and it wasn't the bread that Jesus multiplied. They were all, both of them, acts of God to provide for his people, but both acts of God to provide for his people were pointing to a greater reality, the true bread from heaven. Remember, the earthly bread has the effect of blinding people to see the true bread from heaven, what we really need. Now let us move to the third part, which is the satisfying effect of the bread of life. You know, what is interesting as you go throughout, and we've seen it before in previous sermons, as you go out throughout the different interactions that Jesus has with people is that as we can, in a sense, predict what Jesus is going to tell to people, we can also predict what people are going to respond to Jesus. Remember what the Samaritan woman said to Jesus when Jesus said, I can give you that water that will calm your thirst forever. Sir, give it to me so I don't have to come to this world to get it again. Where is that well? Where is that river, that spring of water, that I can go and get water there and I don't have to come here to get water when it's a sunny day every noontime because I am ashamed for, of people seeing me? Where is that well that I can go and get it? Until that moment, that woman couldn't understand that Jesus was talking about something deeper. The same thing happened with the crowd. They said to him in verse 34, Sir, give us this bread always. Remember the 40 years? You gave it to us yesterday, Jesus. You can give it to us today. And then give it to us tomorrow. And give it to us the day after tomorrow's, And always for the rest of our lives. The crowd didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. The Samaritan woman didn't understand what Jesus was, was talking about. Nicodemus couldn't understand when Jesus was talking about new birth as well. It is predictable and likely we'll see that going forward throughout the Gospel of John. Then Jesus has to do something radical 
which is not really radical. Basically, what he's saying is, I'm going to make it very clear for you. You know, he did that with the Samaritan woman. He said, okay, bring me your husband. In order to prove to them, or to prove to her, or to show to her, this is the reason why you have failed in your marriage so many times. Because you have been trying to fill that emptiness with a marriage, with an earthly bread. But I have something for you greater. And then Jesus tells them, I am the bread of life. He's not talking about he who comes. He's not talking about uh, what God gave and Moses, Moses gave. He's saying, I am the bread of life. In fact, this is the first of the I am's that we're going to study throughout the book of John. But I could say that probably it's not the first one because we saw the first one last week. Remember, it is me to not be afraid. Ego eimi. I am, I am. Again, basically what Jesus is doing here is connecting himself with his divine nature in the Old Testament. I am who I am. But we're going to start to hear and see Jesus teaching the people I am the bread of life, chapter 6. I am the light of the world, chapter 8. I am the gate, chapter 10. I am the good shepherd, chapter 10. I am the resurrection of the life, and the life, chapter 11. I am the way and the truth and the life, chapter 14. I am the true vine, chapter 15. I am, I am all these things to people. I am what you need. God is what you need. And then Jesus says to them, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Hunger and thirst. Think about this. Why probably Jesus may have used those hunger and thirst physical experiences is because for people there, that was very real, hunger and thirst. I don't know about you, but I have to remind myself to drink some water throughout the day. Because it's available, it's everywhere. But people there, if you were walking eight miles, you would have to carry a bucket to get water from wells on the way to your final destination. And hunger was real. Bread was the basic food for people. Then Jesus is talking about, here is, this is what you, you think is basic for your life. This is what I have answered for you now. What do you need to do? Jesus is saying you have to come and you have to believe. Now, coming is no a physical movement from this place to another place. If you come to 1710, this is, I don't even know where I am. This 1701 is in the back. 1710 is the other building. This is 17 and Spruce. If you come to 10th church building, to be more clear. No. is if you come from your heart, with your heart, from wherever you are, to where Jesus is offering something to you. 
Where are you? Where are you? You are somewhere probably eating that bread, that earthly bread that is only sustaining your physical life. Thinking that that bread is fulfilling your life. Feeling the emptiness in your heart. You have to come from eating that bread to Jesus. But it's not just enough to come and hear about Jesus. Or read about Jesus. Or even affirm that Jesus is, is God. You have to eat Jesus. You see what I mean? Sometimes you can even tell others about Jesus without you yourself trusting in Jesus as your Savior. And eating Jesus is trusting in him as the one who can satisfy your real needs in life. This is how uh, Richard Phillips put it like this. Coming to Jesus starts with realizing the hunger of your soul. The first thing that you need to realize is that your soul is hungry. Because first you start thinking that what you, you are hungry for is your, your body or, or, or your emotions or your success. But there is something deeper that is hungry. It's your soul. He keeps saying, do you not realize how unfulfilling life is apart from fellowship with the Son of God? I think that we have all been there. How unfulfilling life is apart from fellowship with the Son of God. Do you not realize that your need for new experiences, new thrills, new achievements merely prove that you were made for something higher? Every time you try those things, it's proving to you that there is something there that you have not yet gotten. God's provision, for our, God's provision for our highest eternal need is Jesus Christ. The true bread whom God has sent into the world. You see, what Jesus is doing there is he's saying, yes, I gave you this physical bread. But I only gave you this physical bread, this sign, not because I came to stay here on earth for the rest of your life and the rest of the life of the other people that will be born while I'm here on earth for the rest of my life, so you are physically fed. But I'm here giving you this bread, or I gave you that bread yesterday, Jesus is saying, so you understand that what you really need is me, Jesus. We don't read there that Jesus said, okay, all right, I'm going to multiply more bread and more fish for today. No. Jesus is saying, I am who you really need. I am the bread of life. You see, I am, I am the bread of life. He's saying, God, I am God who is the bread of life. What you really need is God. And if you find God, you will find satisfaction in Jesus forever. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that you 
are so patient with people like us who struggle understanding. Even we can understand this today as we study this passage together and go about our life trying to find satisfaction in the things that we're doing, our professions, in our uh, goals, in, in all the things that this world has to offer to us. We thank you that you are patient and, and that you remind us daily that you are our daily bread, that you are what we really need. Help us, Lord, to come and to believe and to trust in you and be satisfied in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.